Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Yesterday was the NBA draft. Uh, very long first two rounds. I'm going to react to a couple of picks that were made, make a couple of grades as well for some teams. Won't cover it all intensely, but just wanted to give a few thoughts on that. Then Bengals-Chiefs rivalry gets even more heated. This is what I love about football, NFL, these rivalries. And then I'm going to make some reactions, four observations, early observations for the NFL season. And then I'm doubling down on what I said about Alabama about a month or so ago. Alabama football team, again, uh, with Nick Saban. But let's get started with the NBA draft. And, of course, yesterday I talked about uh, Victor Wimbanyama being the number one overall pick. Um, if you want more detailed thoughts on there, uh, you can listen to yesterday's podcast. But as expected, he went number one. Um, Brandon Miller went number two to the Charlotte Hornets. And the Blazers did pick Scoot Henderson. Now there were rumors going around that Damian wanted them to trade the pick uh, to land a veteran, impactful player right away to contend. But instead, they pick Scoot Henderson. Now this is a team with, you know, three young guards and an older guard. They got four great guards, but three young. They now have Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, and Anthony Simons, who I think are really good. So with that, you know, core three right there, you have Dame as the older player. So now it's time to move Dame. If I'm the owner, GM of the Blazers, I know Dame's been loyal, and he's wanted to stay in Portland. But if I'm the GM, again, an owner, I'm trading Dame. I'm getting Dame up and out of there. Because we're not going to contend with Dame. Uh, you know, with him, they only have four playoff series wins, I believe. One conference finals appearance. There's been no real success with Dame. Um, so, if I'm the Blazers, this is, you know, I think when I get maximum value, I don't think, you know, next year I think his value would dip a bit. And uh, the fact, I think the Blazers can get a really good package um, because they've been so staunch on not trading Dame that you can really drive the price up of the last real star that I believe will be traded before the season. And again, if the Blazers can get a really good package with either young uh, talent, with a load of draft picks, and then they can be real contenders in the future. In three or four years when LeBron, Steph, KD are gone in the West, the Nuggets are a little older, again, when their team is peaking, then I'm looking at a team like the Blazers to be a contender, a team like the Kings to be a legitimate contender, the Thunder as well. So they can really set themselves up for long-term success by trading Dame. If they don't trade Dame, again, they're in this weird spot where which of these four guys are going to play. You know, we want to develop the young talent and get them going. You know, and Scoot, of course, said all the right things yesterday that 
you know, with me and Dame, it could be over. Again, he said the right things. But it is time to move Dame. I don't care what Dame says, what he thinks. I am moving him for the benefit now of my franchise and my team and what I'm building for the future. Not for anything else. Not because Dame wants to stay in Portland or he's undecided. Um, we give Dame a lot of, you know, Dame, Dame gives us input. We ask him a lot of questions. He goes on these podcasts, and there's always trade rumors with Damian Lillard. Now it's time to pull the plug on this and get rid of him and move on. Um, you'll be a lot better for it. What else? What other reactions from NBA draft night? I honestly thought there were going to be more trades during draft night. Um, there were only two trades the entire night, so lower volume than I thought. It wasn't even for, you know, existing players. It was basically picks. It was the Mavericks in Oklahoma City uh, doing a deal, and, like, the Pacers and the, and the Wizards um, doing, you know, draft pick deals. So, you know, there was speculation on the late Lakers using the 17th pick for uh, draft capital. The uh, Miami Heat as well, could they trade their pick? And the Golden State Warriors at the 19th. So kind of those three back-to-back-to-back picks. Speculation of trades, nothing came into fruition. The Suns had the 52nd pick. Again, their last controlled one, they made a pick. So lower draft volume than I initially thought was going to happen. I thought, hey, some things might ramp up. They do not. So uh, we'll wait for the start of free agency which begins in one week. And speaking of the Suns, uh, they, again, drafted a player with their loan control draft pick until 2031, and Aiton is still on the team. So now with their roster, to me, their, their core is set. Everything is set for this team now. Uh... I don't think they're trading Aiden anytime soon. Again, are making any big moves. Um, they haven't got the value they want for Aiden in trade situations, trade scenarios. So I believe they're going to play this out um, until the trade deadline and reevaluate Aiden. Now, before that, you know, Aiden is showing signs he's not motivated and it's tough to play him. Then you evaluate that and move on. But right now, this Suns team, uh, the way they're currently constructed, they're going out with those those max tax dollars right there. But then for teams that didn't trade their draft picks, like Miami, Golden State, I thought got great positional value. Um, Miami at 18 drafted... Uh, Jaime Hotkes Jr. from UCLA, um, who is a little bit older, but was really the, again, soul of this team, uh, that UCLA team with great runs to Final Fours and Elite Eight. So I instantly thought a winner like him would fit in to this group. You know, it was mentioned heavily throughout their run of undrafted free agents. In Jimmy Butler, I believe he does have that 
dog in him that def- uh, that can defend. Um, I believe, you know, he needs to work on creating his own shot a bit, a uh, little bit more on the three-point shooting, which I believe he'll put in that time of work. But he's made a lot of big plays for him offensively. But when they're in need of getting a bucket, uh, he got UCLA one defensively. Really good as well. Great footwork, versatility, uh, construction floor. I thought this was a great pick, great value for Miami uh, right there at number 18. Then afterwards as well, uh, Brandon, uh, I think it's Posimski, uh, you know, shooting guard there, who to me is basically Clay Thompson. What did they go out and get? They got a shooting guard, 6'6", 205, uh, who shot 45% for three on the season. You know, he can handle uh, pick and roll coming off screen, so he's not just catch and shoot, but he's great off catch and shoot. He is a great three-point shooter. You look at the Warriors, that's what they do. That's what they like to do, and they went out and got another one of them. So, again, great positional draft there for the Warriors. Then another team that I like their draft pick, the Denver Nuggets. I thought Denver also got great positional depth. When you're drafting a number 29 in the bottom of the first round, you got to get an impactful player. And that's exactly what uh, the Nuggets went out and did. Um, last year, again, I, yesterday I touched on Christian Braun, how big of a piece he was. Um, for, you know, them in this finals run. Um, and the things he was able to do defensively, uh, hustle, rebound, uh, get some shots. And again, as I said yesterday, they build a team differently than Suns and others. Uh, they're acquiring their, uh, depth role players through the draft. They're not going to just trade like the Suns and try to get superstar after superstar and trade their draft picks and pick swaps. Uh, they are making very great acquisitions, managing cap, um, and adding to this. And Julian Strother, uh, from Gonzaga, uh, six, seven, uh, small forward, uh, can play two, can play the, uh, four as well. Um, Again, shot 40% from three last year. Uh, very, very, very good talent. Um, again, the rich get richer, and that's what the Nuggets did. Um, the Nuggets, to me, are still the best team in the NBA. Sort of his draft and these minor trades kind of really... Change my view of who the best teams in the league are. No, I still got the Nuggets at number one. They're still the best. The number two, probably give it to the Boston Celtics. They acquired Porzingis. Yes, I believe Marcus Smart is a huge loss, but Milwaukee, there's a question mark on Chris Middleton. And the rest of their depth, that's a question mark. Uh, so I'll move them at three. Um, Miami Heat there. Uh, definitely with Jimmy Butler, I still think are a good 
team contender. Um, the Lakers as well aren't going anywhere. Um, the Golden State Warriors, I think, took a hit with that trade. And then the Suns as well. So I think there's clearly, to me, two favorite teams, um, Nuggets and Celtics. And like I said yesterday, I would love for the Bucks to do something um, with their depth, fill out the roster, younger, more athletic, to where I can see a Giannis and Jokic NBA Finals. And I thought another uh, great winner of the draft was the Orlando Magic. Uh, you have two first-round picks, um, basically two top 10, two top 11 picks. You got to make the most of it. So they went out and got the best player I thought available, and also a positional lead, Anthony Black from Arkansas. Uh, they went out, you know, and got him very versatile. Uh, number two, who can play the three at well, 6'7", 185. His biggest weakness is shooting the three. I believe he will can work on that. He'll get better. And they also got my boy Jet Howard from Michigan, another tall athletic shooting guard as well. Um, again, I think this was great because you pair him with your big Paolo Banquero, Franz Wagner out on the wing. Um, as well, so this Orlando Magic is really young, and I just talked about it, teams like the Thunder, and if the Blazers trade Dame, they can compete for uh, championships a few years down the road. Magic, I believe, will be right there as well. If they're a few years down the road, but if these high picks that they've had constantly start turning out, start slowly getting better, this will be a team as well that turns out to be really really good, so I thought they had a great draft as well. Now let's move on to the NFL. I want to talk about a rivalry that's not brewing, but it's it's already there. And that's the Bengals and the Chiefs. Uh, definitely my favorite rivalry and the matchup I'm probably looking the most most forward to. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'll give you some context. Context because Travis Kelsey said on his podcast yesterday, "Don't to not ever disrespect Mahomes." Now, what is the context behind that? Well, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, you know, was, you know, asked, you know, after Burrow said Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback. When told of his teammates' opinion, Chase said, Pat who? Now, Patrick Mahomes responded with a Twitter post with, uh, which said, that's who, with two rings. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey jumps in on his podcast and says, you know, shout out to Jamar Chase for holding it down, but don't you ever disrespect Pat Mahomes now. Uh, threw some expletives in there as well and just said, just better back it up. This is what I love to see. I love, love NFL rivalries. And I love this because it, you know, I'm not going to say this, not all people, but for a lot of people, people choose a side. They'll be on the Bengal side of this, and they'll be on the um, Chiefs side of this. And back in the day, we had... Tom Brady 
and Peyton Manning. Now, your team might not have been the Colts or the Patriots, but you usually had a rooting interest in that game. So if your team isn't the Bengals or the Chiefs, you still have a rooting interest in this game as a marquee matchup. Now, again, I absolutely love this um, because, again, the Bengals are 4-1 against the Chiefs. They're also a phantom, like, second or third down away, uh, whichever it was that they got to replay and redo. Uh, the Chiefs and some generous calls there in Arrowhead. Could have been 5-0, and the Bengals go to a Super Bowl for a second straight year. They don't. Uh, Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. And here we go. So they play Kansas City hosting Cincinnati Week 17 on New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st. Now that, to me, is as prime time as you get. Now the one thing, again, I think with the matchup is what we're asking ourselves is, why is that matchup not a prime time matchup? Why is it on at 2.25, I guess it's Arizona time, why would it be uh, 4.25 Eastern and not the Sunday night game or the Thursday night? You know, questions like that continue to persist. You know, do we expect the Packers-Vikings to be battling for anything Week 17? Do we expect the Browns to? on Thursday night. So, again, I hope that game definitely gets flexed. Um, and I am looking forward to this rivalry continuing. I hope Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow continue to back it up. Um, make your mark as well, because I believe that the Bengals and the Jets with a asterisk and an ayahuasca asterisk uh, can take down the Chiefs. In the AFC, AFC, I believe the Eagles can as well, uh, considering they were also a crazy holding penalty away last year from maybe going into overtime or losing that game. Who knows? But again, this rivalry is great for the NFL. Now I want to give you four observations just from training camp, kind of post-draft, uh, you know, a lot of... NFL news has come out, um, so I want to kind of give four observations, what I've noticed, and maybe they're predictions, or maybe they're just observations. The first one is the Buffalo Bills. So Buffalo, they were 13-3 and three last year. I don't believe they go 13-3 and three again this year. Uh, I don't think they're as good, and again, I believe they are being overvalued. All these websites I read rank them top five. Uh, they're triplets, they're running back, quarterback, wide receiver, or everything's top five with Bills. I don't buy that. They had a lot of close wins last year. If they didn't blow you out, uh, they had a tough time and they struggled. So I believe... Um, they don't reach 13 wins. I also believe the Dolphins will be better, and the Jets are also going to move up. So because of the division getting a little tougher, I believe Buffalo moves down. Again, maybe they still win. I don't think they do. But even if they do, I don't believe it'll be at the 13-win mark. 
And we also have heard about Stephon Diggs uh, upset at training camp. You don't like to hear your best wide receiver having those kind of issues there at training camp. So that's a problem for me. And then another side note as well is that the Bills went ahead and extended uh, their general manager, um, Brandon Bean, and head coach Sean McDermott through the 2027 season. Now, this pair has been really good together. They've been great, but they haven't been elite. They haven't made it to a Super Bowl. They've drafted good guys. They've coached well. But I don't like this because we just saw this with the Cardinals. The Cardinals came off a great season. They went to the playoffs. Yes, they got smoked in the wild card round, but they made it. They extend GM Steve Kime and head coach Cliff Kingsbury on like four-year deals the following year. They oust them. And I know uh, NFL owners are definitely fine with writing these checks and paying out that money. But if I'm Buffalo, if I'm that owner, I'm more of a, of a prove-it sort of guy and not I'll pay the bill when it comes due sort of guy. I like to take preventative measures myself. So just because they are signed to extension doesn't mean they should be Free from any stress now, we're good to go. Um, I definitely think at Buffalo, I don't think we're going to take a major step back, but I don't think they reach, again, the 13-3 and three mark. Another observation I had is that Detroit and Chicago both move up, I believe, with the addition of D.J. Moore. Uh, Justin Fields can take another step. And this is going to be the season that decides if he is a guy or not. He can take that step. Um, I believe Detroit is going to win the division. I believe it will be clinched before Week 18. I believe this is a very good team that proved it last year, the continuity of Ben Johnson. Uh, The Jamison-Williams suspension for the first six games definitely hurts, but when he comes back, um, I believe this offense will be even more electric. Minnesota 11-0 in one-score games. They uh, will take a step back. They released Dalvin Cook, again, which I thought was really interesting. That's not something a contender usually does. And Green Bay, of course, traded Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is starting. And the headlines have been, you know, don't expect this to be Aaron Rodgers. You know, this takes some time. So they're backing him up, but it's not a huge vote of confidence. For Jordan Love, so it's something that I think uh, you know fans of the Green Bay Packers are definitely going to have to temper their expectations for this following season. NFC South. So NFC South last year was a mess. Buccaneers won a division at eight and nine. I believe history repeats itself, and the division is a mess again. Uh, however, I don't believe the Buccaneers will win the division, and I believe they'll be the worst team of the division because Tom Brady is leaving, Baker is stepping in. Carolina 7-10, and 10, I believe they've upgraded a quarterback with Bryce Young. New Orleans upgraded a quarterback with Derek Carr. Atlanta has to somehow had seven wins, and they had a good draft, I think, with Bijan Robinson, another playmaker, so... I believe this division will still be a mess. I believe Carolina and New Orleans will most likely come on top. And I could definitely see it, you know, with the dog fights in the division. 
that these teams end up, you know, eight and nine again winning the division or nine and eight, you know, six and 11. I can see a lot of records like that happening in the NFC South. And my last observation, I believe the Rams are going to pass up the Seahawks. I believe, you know, Geno Smith was a bust until this year. He was. He was a bust. This year, Happerations, which I believe is an aberration. And he got his money. He got paid. Yes, they had a good draft. But I don't believe Geno is that guy. I believe he does take a step back. And the Rams now will have Aaron Donald back healthy. Super Bowl. Uh, he didn't win Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP winner. Cooper Cup will be back healthy. Matthew Stafford. And last time we saw them together healthy for a season, oh, they won a Super Bowl, and, you know, Cooper Cup led the league in receiving yards and all these receiving stats, and was great. So I do believe this offense will be a little better with them healthy. The defensive line with Aaron Donald healthy is obviously different. The secondary is a big concern. Uh, but Sean McVay, outside of his past year before his team was injured, has kind of really had Pete Carroll's number. And even in um, those two games last year, they were close. The last one went to overtime. So I do think the Rams write some of a ship, and they get the win. And they get into the playoffs, actually, over the Seattle Seahawks. So those are my four um, NFL observations. Bills don't reach that win total of 13 again. Detroit and Chicago move up in the NFC North, while Minnesota and Green Bay slide down. NFC South is a mess again with a new winner, and the Los Angeles Rams will pass the Seahawks and be number two in the division this year. Now, I want to double down on something that I said a while ago. And I believe I said a couple months ago, I said Alabama will never win another championship under Nick Saban. Now it's funny because uh, Nick Saban goes on a podcast and he says, you know, last year he's still upset that he didn't get in because, you know, he said that we would have had, the odds would have been in our favor of the three best teams. And of the three of the teams that went in, we would have been favored of one, of course, which was Georgia. I don't know about the Michigan. That, to me, would have been even. And... You know, he just says if it's like that, then it should go in because that's the four best. Well, guess what? You played regular season games to determine that, and you lost two of them. So the regular season counts. Just because you're Alabama, you're Nick Saban, that's not how it works. But to me, I'm doubling down on that statement I made. Nick Saban will never win a national championship with Alabama again, and vice versa. Alabama with Nick Saban will never win a national championship again. Um, I believe the dynasty is over. Georgia is clearly number one. They've had their number one recruiting class now for a while. Uh, and then this coming year for 2024 already, they have the number one They're the class of college football now. So when it used to be the opposite way, it used to be, you know, Alabama and Georgia, Florida and teams behind them. Now it's the other way. Georgia is number one. Um, why do I also say this? because other teams that were previously not that high are high. The Michigan Wolverines usually have around a near 10 class. They're coming in at number two 
uh, for 2024. Uh, they've made some big pickups. Their class is right there with Georgia. Ohio State's at three as well. Florida is ahead of Alabama, another SEC team. Oh, uh, Oregon's up there. Notre Dame's always up there. LSU, that's a third SEC team ahead of them. Penn State's high. Clemson in top ten. Stanford, USC. South Carolina, that's four ahead of Alabama in the SEC. Tennessee at 13. Five ahead of Alabama. It, five ahead of Alabama from the SEC. And you finally get to Alabama at 14. Only six ESPN uh, 300 commits, um, which is still good, but it's nowhere near uh, kind of the upper echelon of talent that used to come in at Alabama. So Alabama gets lucky now because there's going to be a 12-team playoff. So, yes, they'll continue to get in after this year. I don't believe Alabama will make it in the four-team this year. Um, afterwards, yes, they could definitely make it with the expanded playoff. But Alabama... They're not what they once used to be. You know, I was never would say in the past there'd be others who'd say this Alabama dynasty is over. Well, I'm saying it. This Alabama dynasty is over. It's gone. Nick Saban, Alabama. Bye-bye. Catch that sound bite. This has been unbothered. Definitely not going to be bothered by Alabama winning any more championships anytime soon. Hope you all have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.